this is Mike, and it is March 19th, 2020. Uh, I'm here in Pennsylvania, and um, three days ago is when the equinox was, when we had 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of, of darkness. And, you know, from what it looks like is that when things like that are happening in, like, the, the, the environment, you know, what we call what we're living in the environment, you know, when it's actually 12 hours of day, perfect balance of 12 hours of daylight and 12 hours of nighttime, you know, that's what the equinox is. Um, something happens and we don't know what that something is, but something does happen. You know, we've, we've not really, it's been hidden what the purpose of, or the significant, it's not just significant. Like, you know, there's a thing that occurs when that, when that happens. And so, Bottom line is, the last couple of days have been weird. Um, before I begin this 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 presentation, um, I do want to address the whole um, coronavirus. I mean, so I'm I'm 48. I've been through this a couple times. You know, like obviously uh, when 9/11 first happened. In fact, I remember uh, um, I remember when when um, the Oklahoma City bombing occurred. I remember where I was when that happened. And there are a couple of these events that these these markers, which 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 you can recall where you were, and like, and I can also you know now with with more high, with the the twenty twenty hindsight of experience, you know, you, you kind of know what you're looking at um, from a lot of different ways, and this also includes a lot of experiences of thinking that something is going to be something which it turns out not to be, or it turns out to be something different, you know. I don't know if anyone remembers like Comet Ison or or Elenin, I think that's how it's pronounced. But these were really interesting kind of build-ups that made a lot of sense, um, that turned out to not be what, what was sold, 2012 being the biggest example as well. I'm not necessarily saying that things didn't occur, I'm, what I am saying is, that what everyone was expecting, the 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 placement of where everyone was expecting the 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 you know the fireworks to occur, it was not where they happened. Everyone was looking in the wrong direction. So, but that being said, you know, looking at what's happening right now, um, it's it's evident that that there's a massive change which is occurring, and this is going to be on a very um, experiential level, like you know. Uh, if you read the description from Qualcomm um, from their website, Qualcomm's like a uh, like a, you know um, a Scandinavian telecom. Um, they describe five G and they say it will. Uh, they go through all of these lines and they're they're not like you know pitching it. You know they're not trying to sell anyone anything because they're building out the network. They're telling you what it is. And what they say, the very last um, line in it is, it, it, it will be a completely different user experience. And when you take that from the most general sense, like, you know, we are going through a process which will change the user experience. Um, time is going to tell, you know, whatever that's going to be. But um, what I 
do know is I'm uncertain and I'm paying a lot of attention. And when I think with my rational mind, it's like, you know, I can see all of these different sort of like, oh, this is done for this reason or that reason. And some of them are like, yeah, that sounds great. And some of them are like, wow, that sounds crappy or what have you. But then when I get out of my head and I just kind of like, you know, how do I feel about all this? Um, uh, am I anxious inside? Do I have like, you know, this nervous energy? Do I have? And I'm like, I feel really kind of comfortable. I feel very calm. Um, and so my sense is whatever, whatever this is going to unfold, like there's going to be at the very least, um, a way to navigate it. So, um, the, really what all of this work, which, which I try to share ultimately comes down to is understanding the experience under understanding exactly what it is we are, um, we're doing in these bodies. And so in the most basic level, like we all have like this inner experience and then there's this outer experience and then they're connected somehow, you know, that's the most basic level. Um, every other scenario, it kind of falls in, you know, whether we're a computer simulation or, you know, creation of aliens or that's one and the same, I don't know. But I do know in all of those scenarios, you know, whatever we are, we have an inner experience and we have an outer experience and they relate to one another. And we don't quite understand all of the rules um, to whatever it is that we're doing. Like, you know, we might know some of them, and, and, but there are clues all around. And so what I like to do is, is try to point out what, what are clues. Um, and I, I, I tell more so the clues in the outer world. And I guess the best way to, to really think about this is... Um, the inner world, if you can imagine what a neural pathway is and what that is physically and then what all of the different qualities associated with it and just kind of like bubble that up, you know, make it, um, make it, make it like more of a macrocosm, but in, in resonance and harmony with it, well, then that's kind of like what I'm going to call etheric, etheric pathways. Um, and... Etheric pathways are like neural pathways in the fact that they're like natural. They're very, very natural. Um, uh, our brain was, you know, however we got a brain, however it was designed, whatever it was that got a, us into this body, it's like it's made to have these neural pathways. And these neural pathways, they explain, you know, how we do particularly unconscious things, you know, how we do habits and stuff like that. But it's anchored in something physical. And the same is true with, with etheric, with these etheric, um, pathways. It's, it's, they're anchored onto something physical, but it's, it's trickier to see because we're within it. And that's, we, we can understand, we can understand neural pathways by understanding, um, our behaviors and just by self-awareness. And we can apply those lessons on the greater level as above, so below to, um, to understanding the etheric pathways. And we will know the etheric pathways really through like, um, coincidence, synchronicity, uh, and usually associations with like, you know, mystical organizations. Um, and so that's what, what the primary, uh, uh, underlying message of all the Susquehanna mystery sort of stuff is it's like, Hey, this is the biggest etheric pathway that's out there. Um, 
I don't quite understand. We don't quite understand what that means, but we can, we can, we can figure this out. Uh, the reason why I say it's the biggest is because you look at what's physically the history and the geology tied to this particular physical structure in the environment we live in. And we, we can see that it is really, really, um, it's influential. But all of this stuff is kind of behind the scenes. And when you look at it closely, it makes sense. But if you're not really looking closely at it, you're not going to know that it exists. And that's the same thing with neural pathways. Like they, they can be laid down um, often by like uh, events that we don't remember. It could be hypnosis, it could be pattern, but it's this, this deeper sort of stuff. Um, experiences which, which, which create the physical structure of the neural pathways. So the same sort of thing is happening within um, laying, laying certain types of, of connections with, with these etheric pathways. And we can, we can see that by just studying the, the, the coincidences and the strange things which we see in the physical world. And really everything is in play. So I'm going to go and I'm going to talk about, I, you know, I've, I've talked, if you've seen any of the videos, and I definitely recommend you see the Susquehanna mystery videos, you'll begin to understand like, okay, there's, 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 a, there's a lot of, of, of human story, of history tied into this particular body of water. And we can, um, and I, it's a big story there. It, 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 it really, it really, um, is holds meat it has a lot to work with on many many different levels you know from a physical level from a historical level from a metaphysical level from a like a, a conspiracy level from all these different levels uh from a mythological level and what i want to talk about though today is is really what i think is um the strangest sort of um piece about this and I'm kind of growing into like why it's so strange like you know my the the research where I'm kind of drawn for my thinking you know that's just like I mean it's true for all of us that's like our cutting edge of where we are at any given moment and so this is an area which I've been spending a lot of like curiosity just kind of pondering and um particularly with everything we said before about like this strange time and like something's happening what it is i don't know but um the timing seems to be rather um appropriate so i would definitely recommend um if you have not already seen uh some of the other Scranton, um, Pennsylvania, uh, posts I've made, either like on Instagram, I think I may, I've talked about it in a couple different, um, uh, podcasts, but, but there's, there's a lot of things about Scranton, which are, which are interesting, which are worthy of being, um, uh, looked at deeper and I'm going to gloss over some of them, but I'd recommend if you haven't seen any of that other stuff to go in and look at it because the details are, are where the real meat is. But let me show you on this map. So right here, this is the Susquehanna river. Each of these flags corresponds to like major things in history. You can see where the Susquehanna river transitions into the Chesapeake Bay and then where it meets the, uh, where it meets the uh, Atlantic ocean. And so Scranton, Pennsylvania is located right here, right in this little spot where this bow comes out. 
And when we want to look at, at like being able to, I say, quote unquote, read a river, um, the shapes of the river are really significant. Um, what they're significant to, well, you know, you're going to have to reverse engineer, like look what's happened or what's tied to it. And you kind of understand like what's going on. But, you know, there's some interesting things that happen where they're like major turns or major happenings. Um, if this is if this if this is interesting to you, there's a guy, um, Goro Adachi. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, I think it's called The River of Time or Time Rivers, and he does this fascinating analysis of like the Nile and the Amazon and tying in um, history on a long, long t scale to the different bends. Um, in these rivers and how the rivers can actually be used as, as, as telling a story. And so um, I don't think it's just limited to time, but, but that's like kind of uh, a similarity of, of how you can, you can look at this and you can look at this, this river. So we're looking at this one location right here, which is on the outer edge of this, this Northern branch. This is called the Northern branch. This is the Western branch and this is the, the lower Susquehanna. Um, but right here, Scranton, we can see this is a map right here. This is Scranton, PA. This is the Susquehanna River. Um, this point right here is this outer bow. So we see Scranton is like right here. It's like, da, 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 da. and this is pretty much, there's not really much going on in this part of the world. Uh, Philadelphia is right here. Uh, New York City is right here. Uh, Baltimore's here, Washington DC is right here. Um, but all of this is kind of like probably the biggest city might be Binghamton, New York, which is going to be located right around here. But this is, this is where we are, this part of the world. It's not particularly, uh, well populated, but it's, it's, it's close to the largest population center on the planet. So Scranton is, is probably best known for, um, in the collective mind from the TV show, The Office. And this is what really got into my, um, what got, what gets Scranton into my radar. One is I live in Pennsylvania, so I'm already kind of like on, on, um, on alert, I suppose, of like, you know, anything that feels like home. I mean, that's just how human beings are wired. We, we look that way. But then also it's like this show was particularly successful and it was unusual. It was kind of groundbreaking. And anytime you see something which was very successful and groundbreaking in culture, and particularly if it comes from the UK, uh, you could make a pretty fair assumption that this is, you know, the workings of some pretty high planned, um, really, really skilled uh, neuropropagandists. And so, you know, you study the show and you, you're going to learn a lot about the messaging. And, and so the fact that the show is in Scranton, I'm like, all right, well, that's interesting in itself. And so a couple of things I want to point out is uh, we see the office it ran from 2005 to 2013. Scranton, Pennsylvania, it's got a, uh, a, a population of um, 77,000 people. So less than a hundred thousand people, less than, you know, the amount of, you can't even fill up some of these larger, um, sports arenas with every single person in Scranton. Like, I mean, 77,000 is a decent sized number, but you're not filling up a, a major sports, um, center. 
And I also want to point out like two guys who were uh, the couple people. Act a lot of people came out. Actors came out of out of the office and, and were able to parlay that into um, into uh, uh, big Hollywood careers, if you will. But um, John Krasinski, he definitely was one of them. And then I don't know exactly what B.J. Novak is doing, but I do know that this guy was young and he he was an executive producer in a lot of the episodes. And I. Uh, I always thought that was interesting, and we're going to come back to this in a little bit, but we're going to look a little bit more into Scranton. Um, Scranton's also of interest because this is where we find the hometown of Hugh Rodman, the, fathery, the father of Hillary Clinton. So the Clinton, Hillary Clinton, her lineage goes through, through Scranton, as does Joseph Biden. Joseph Biden's through Scranton. And there are a lot of interesting people from Scranton. That's what we're going to start to like look at right now is like all of the, like, you know, this tiny little city and like, what's going on here? And there's, there's what well, you're going to say. So, all right. So we got a couple other people I want to highlight from Scranton. We got BF Skinner, who's from Scranton. This guy is like, uh, we live in a behaviorist controlled world. And this guy is the father, like at least credited as the father of behaviorism. So like he's from Scranton. Howard Gardner, who um, very influential psychologist in terms of like how we understand learning, he uh, uh, multiple intelligences theory. I think he came up. He that's what it's called. He came up with it. But these two very like uh, big name psychologists or psych, uh, how many are there? And they're both from this t same small town. Um, Mother Jones, the co-founder, is from there. And then you got like this weird um, connection of like Rite Aid, uh, Woolworths, and Ban Banana Republic, the original one before it was purchased by Gap. Uh, they were all founded out of Scranton. But I want to, uh, which is which is interesting. But the next real heavy hitter I want to bring up is this guy Frank Carlucci, who's from Scranton, and he was Secretary of um, of the Department of Defense from eighty seven eighty nine, only two years. Um, but this guy is a major, major, major player. Um, so he was he was very close with um, he was very close with. Uh, uh, um, Dick Cheney and Donald Rumsfeld, and that was kind of like the group which he ran around, and he was the head of the Carlisle group, and if, you know, you know your history, you know, the Carlisle groups, you know, you got to know who they are, and this guy, he ran it, in fact, uh, he was at a meeting with Carlisle investors with uh, George Bush Sr. and the senior members of the Bin Laden family. You know, he's thought of by a lot of people to have been the um, the orchestrator, like the actual, like, you know, the person who got it done, like the, the, the ultimate project manager of those events. And so this dude is also from, from Scranton, all right? And so let's go uh, and look at this. So, um, you know, this movie, The Irishman, which, which came out this year, um, the, uh, the Scorsese film with De Niro, Al Pacino, and Joe Pesci. Like, you know, it's, it's, it's the ultimate, uh, <laughs> you know, if you wanted to go and, and, and have the ultimate swan song of this genre of actor and film and, 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 and storyteller, you know, this would be it. So this is like, you know, the ultimate uh, going out. And though we mostly think of this 
this movie, if you've seen it, is the telling of, of um, Jimmy Hoffa. It's really the, 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 real, the real player in this movie, or which they're pointing at, is this uh, Buffalino crime family. For it's this Buffalina crime family, which was like the really, really big crime family. You know, it says right here, the movie didn't even scratch the surface. And like the idea is like if you, if you know, we're a culture which loves, which, which loves uh, uh, the, the Cosa Notra, you know, we love the mafia. And we love to understand like how they do things. And one of the things we know is like, it's the hidden, it's the hidden, it's the hidden. And so you can kind of like say like, well, if you know about it, you know, it can't be too hidden. And so now we're like peeling back in the, peeling back the onion. And we see like this family, which is furthest away from, um, from like New York City or Philadelphia is actually, you know, this is the biggest, most influential family of them all. And so the, the, uh, the Joe Pesci character, and you see him like, you know, he is front and center right there. You know, it's called The Irishman. It makes you think that it's about, about this guy right here, but this is who the movie's about. Look at, look at who's getting, uh, who's getting that positioning. And it's not about him. It's about who he represents. So it's the Buffalino and where they were, uh, they moved from Pittston to Kingston, Pennsylvania. This is Kingston, Pennsylvania. It's right by 40 foot. We're going to get to that in a moment. This is right on the Susquehanna River. And this is 15 miles from Scranton. So yeah, it's not like a, it's, it's, if you know what a bullseye looks like, there are a lot of rings, like, you know, they're the opposite ends of the inner ring. Like this is like, this is the same place in the world, but it's not like, you know, they're 15 miles apart, but we're just starting to warm up. So, you know, we've got, we've got Clinton, we've got, we've got, we've got Carlucci, we got Biden, we've got Bolfino. They're all in this, this place, which, which, which the office is pointing to. But what else is there? We're going to go and look at the Institute of Hermetic Studies. They're located at Wyoming. And Wyoming is where we get the massacre of Wyoming. And, and that's what I go into in another, in another talk. You really need to understand the massacre of Wyoming. This is where it happened, right here, right in this spot. And Wyoming is where we find the Institute of Hermetic Studies, which is was uh, founded in Wilkes-Barre, which is right down here. And here's Scranton. We can see this is all within like four or five miles of Scranton, Wyoming is. Um, and uh, no, that's five, it's 10 miles. Wyoming's 10 miles from Scranton, excuse me. So this is um, the Institute of Hermetic Studies maintains a complete working curriculum for the instruction of its members in the hermetic arts and sciences, including Kabbalah, plant and mineral alchemy, Rosicrucianism, Martinism, and the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. And, um, you know, it's, 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 you know, it's a small school, like in comparison to something like Amorc, which you're going to go find in Silicon Valley, you know, that's this big fancy sort of place in a way this isn't, but in a way this, this, this is an interesting institution. Uh, Mark Stavish, I believe he's the founder. He's definitely the guy who's running it. Maybe he's not the founder and he's like, uh, he is a scholarly esotericist. Like, um, listen to some of his work, um, read some of his books. Like this guy is like, he's the real deal. And so this is where he's located. He's located right here. And so if you go on his website and his website is like, you know, I think it's kind of like, um, the the fact that it it almost feels it feels dated is almost like this is beyond this is beyond like 
uh, of, of a timeline. Like this is, I'm letting you know that this is here and, and you'll, you'll, you'll understand um, the depth of this institution by looking at the quality of, of the works there. But, but on the website, which is just, you know, it looks kind of dated, there's this picture of, um, of Mark Stavish. I think I'm pronouncing that right. Stavish or Stavish. Uh, um, it's a picture of him with producer-director Guy Ritchie after taping an interview in London. Okay, so I guess this, so Stavish went to London for Ritchie's upcoming uh, uh, feature-length film on esoteric wisdom and teachings. And so we have this, like, this is front center of the website. And it is, it's linking, it's linking here uh, Stavish with Guy Ritchie. And this is where it's going to start getting a little bit interesting. Um, we got Guy Ritchie, who's probably from a celebrity perspective, you know, maybe outside of his body of work, he's probably best remembered as being married to Madonna. And right around the time that they were, during the time of their, their marriage, it was, um, you know, celebrity, celebrity news that Madonna changes her name and claims the Hebrew name Esther. And this has to do with her Kabbalistic, um, her Kabbalistic status, I guess. You know, I don't know if she gave herself name. I don't know. I don't know exactly how that works, but she was publicly, she was publicly associated with the name Esther and it's tying into, um, the Kabbalistic tradition. And as we know that the Institute of, of Hermetic Studies is a Kabbalistic Institute. And we see that, um, Guy Ritchie's wife is, is Esther. And the reason why that's interesting is because right in this exact same location is where we find uh, this historical marker, the bloody rock. And you can see right down here, I, I'm going to cut to the chase. It's, it's Queen Esther. So we got Queen Esther there. And who is Queen Esther? We're going to see this historical significance. This from the, uh, um, is talking about, let me first show you where it is. So we've got... We've got right here is the Susquehanna River. Right here is um, Wyoming, where we're going to find um, where the the massacre of Wyoming occurred. It actually occurred at Forty Fort. This is where the this is where the 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 ma those that were massacred were in Forty Fort, and they came out here. And this is where they were massacred. This is where the Institute of Hermetic Studies is. This is where the Buffalino crime family, where they were, they were. And then this is where we have this bloody rock, rock Queen Esther. And so what is that? The bloody rock. Um, on the night of July 3rd, 1778, after the Battle of Wyoming, 14 or more captive American soldiers were murdered here by a maul wielded by a revengeful Indian woman traditionally but not certainly identified as Queen Esther. And then they've got this, they've got this marker and they've got this, this is the rock right here. And it's, it's memorialized with this, this like chain link fence and you can see it's right there. Now, if you do a little bit of digging, this was a highly, highly propagandized event. Um, the person, the, the event, the, 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 the events of Bloody Rock were told throughout the colonies and it really helped, um, it was used to motivate colonists to become involved in the revolution. 
and there the central to the the telling of the story was you know there's always a bad guy and the bad guy in this in this telling is queen esther and um if you do a little bit of research you're going to go and see that um queen esther had this sterling reputation throughout like the the whole Iroquois nation part, part of the world. I mean, that's where we are with Scranton. We're like right here. Let's go look at this map. It's where this is where all of that is right around here. This is where all the Finger Lakes are. All of this area, like this area was highly, highly, um, uh, um, it was rich and dense with culture and people. And during the, this like transitional, like, 1600s to 1700s people of this are, are transition to as 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 like culture is is being created and destroyed you know during this time is when queen queen esther was alive and she held a very very strong reputation uh as she bridged both sides of that cultural kind of gap and so it was out of character for her to have been the have been the 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 perpetrator of these very very kind of like violent the story goes is like these guys were held down and their heads were bashed in on the rock and then they were thrown into this river this is this is this is like part of the the myth and it all happened here on 44 and what really looks like what's happening is like you know something happened and there was a telling of a story of a certain way and this is where we get queen esther and we got queen esther is also another uh, a rich resonator with with queen esther from the bible which is who who Madonna was naming herself after the Queen Esther from Purim, um, and the Queen Esther from Purim. If you know the story of Purim, that's very much a a uh, um, there's a revenge killing type of of aspect to that story. And if you continue along with the story of of the, it's really the myth of Queen Esther and Bloody Rock. Apparently, she was hunted down and there was a massacre done to uh make right what happened to the colonists at at 40 fort and so like the whole thing is just like it's if if you start reading through the information the analysis it's like the whole thing is just like it's propagandized then is it is now but this is where the event is tied that's really what i want to point to and like these the 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 characters like the depth of characters in terms of the symbolism and the the wattage which they are connected to like they're in the same place it's all right here so now we're going to go and we're going to get even weirder so um we began this talking about the office and um that's not the only sort of pop culture reference as it relates to this area scranton um the uh uh web television series based upon the philip k dick novel the man in the high castle um scranton plays a very significant role in that as well and 
one of and I'm not I'm not that familiar with the Philip K. Dick novel. I'm familiar with Philip K. Dick, and I recognize whenever his name is touched to something like. I don't know who or what he was or is or what have you, but he was the blueprint maker for what culture looks like today, or at least what technology looks like today. And so the guy is telling a story and he seems to know something, something which either people are following or he's writing the story because I don't know how this game is exactly structured. I don't know how it works. But that being said, the man in the high castle is a alternative uh, history story of when the would be when the Nazis won World War II, and that's kind of like the backdrop. And there are all these different kind of like subplots and sub stories. And within that, within that, um, uh, within that uh, plethora of of different. Um, places where the story goes one of them is the fact that um there was this uh d nemenvelt i don't know you know I, that's i'm trying to say it and what that is is it's it's this this is what the the plot line is it was a um a project you know like an mk ultra project mk ultra projecting is very you know this is where the the models came from from the from the nazi uh, from the Nazi, the Nazi model, um, its goal was to produce this this Project Seven Hundred One, this D Nabenbelt. The goal was produce a quantum tunneling device that could artificially replicate the means by which travelers were able to physically cross between alternative worlds. And what in the in the 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 storyline of of this of the man in the high castle is like this this is the name of the device of how nazis were able to go to different dimensions interdimensional nazis that's what this is about and the device the thing there was like this tunnel this this you know the mechanism their cern whatever you want to call it that they did with it they called it this dynebenwelt you know, I'm sorry for butchering this. And in the Man in the High Castle, it is located deep within the Lackawanna coal mine of the Poconos. <clears throat> so where is that? What is the Lackawanna coal mine? It's in Scranton. I thought I have a picture of it somewhere. Do I not? Here it is. It's right in front of me. <coughs> So the Lackawanna coal mine is a museum and retired coal mine in Scranton, Pennsylvania. It's literally, it's not just like in, in, in the, the TV show, they refer to it as the Poconos, but they don't necessarily call it so tightly to Scranton. But what they do call it, this Lackawanna coal mine, that is Scranton. That is undoubtedly Scranton. And that is also a location, or at least a, 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 plot device in one of the office television episodes from this from season one and so we have now a double connection of popular culture pointing back to scranton and this one is getting a little bit freaky because now we're talking about it being a connection to to um to to you know quantum quantum jumping for lack of a better word 
And so from, from the man in the high castle, the site was chosen not only because of its proximity, uh, its proximity to a rare anomaly, a particularly thin area in the fabric of reality, which would make it much, each, much easier to breach into alternate worlds. And so now I want to go back to what I was talking about in the beginning. It's like, you know, we can tell, we can tell what's going on on this etheric pathway level by, by studying, by studying, you know, what has happened there? What is the geology there? What is the, the history there? What is the pop culture there? Like looking at it from all these different perspectives, because the same is true with understanding your neural pathways. You know, it's, it's, we're working with symbolism. That's how, that's why people are triggered. A triggering, a trigger pulls you into an established neural pathway and a trigger works because of its symbolic resonance. So as above, so below, etheric pathways are all symbolism also. So when we see that this body of water, when you go and you look at all of the Susquehanna mystery and it's so strong, so strongly connected to everything which we're seeing in culture, the first computer, the first electrical um, distribution of three wires, the birth of globalism, the baseball hall of fame, uh, the national, the national groundhog day, uh, um, National Groundhog Day celebration, Herkimer Diamonds, the the Eastern headquarters of NATO, like all of this is here. Plus, like you know, Washington D.C. All, all this stuff is right here. Um, and one of the questions I always have is the why. And so I'm not saying this is the case, but this is exactly what I've always thought was the case, is that this area is particularly significant to what it means to breach different worlds. What different worlds are, I'm not really certain. You know, I've had some interesting experiences, but considering the weirdness which we're seeing, like all, <laughs> all options should be on the table. So, okay. Um... A little bit deeper with this, with this, uh, with this um, man in the high castle. So, uh, the particularly the TV show, um, there are a lot of different storylines with different characters, and the man who who is actually named for um, uh, the show, the 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 character who was the man in the high castle. Um, which is very similar to this, like the Irishman who was talking about this De Niro character, though it's really the story of the, the, the Bolfolino family. The same is kind of true here. Like, you know, it's called the man in the high castle and, and this here, this actor played the man in the high castle, but it's really the other characters who really make up the majority of, of the telling of the, the stories. But, but nonetheless, the, the, the man in the high castle, who had a, a relatively a small though significant part within the um, within this this narrative? What he did was he was it was never really clear I, I don't think of uh, of what these were, but he was um, collecting or he was creating these films of alternate realities showing the the United States as it was under Nazi rule. Okay, 
So think about the timing of this video and what we talked about before and what's what's unfolding before us. So it's like this move, this show, this this man in the higher cat, um, in the the man in the what do they call it? The man in the high castle. I always have trouble saying it. That's telling of the story of 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 the United States underneath the 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 influence of actually both Japanese and Nazi rule. But it's it's the, this character here um, was showing movies to the occupied citizens of, of North America of like, hey, this is what this is what it what this is another version. And it was um, that was a big plot device. And uh, as you can also see, like, so was time travel within within this tv show as well so they're blended they're blended with these stories so this character here this man in the higher castle this guy who was the actual link between different alternative realities or at least within people's minds or at least with making you know keeping uh, uh morale up he he used to do it. Uh, he was on a TV show back in the '80s called News Radio, and I'm kind of kind of back into this because News Radio is where we first get Joe Rogan. That's where Joe Rogan was first introduced into the American, like in a major way, to the American collective mindset. Now Joe Rogan is arguably, you know, one of the most influential people on this planet, <coughs> considering the the reach of his podcast. And the very nature of podcast is the very nature of podcast is a very, very influential way of of conveying information because it's so personal. <coughs> Excuse me. So Joe Rogan got his start on news radio. And just by the title of it, it's, you know, it's, it's, that's a podcast. You could arguably say like a podcast is a modern version of what news or talk radio once was. And Joe Rogan, his character on that show, was uh, um, was a janitor, and the guy who owned the radio station um, was this actor here. So they uh, Rogan's character and this guy's character they represent the top and the bottom of whatever this ensemble cast of of news radio. I'd really recommend you going and and God, I don't even remember when I talked about about this, but somewhere I talked about in great detail this news radio Joe Rogan connection because it kind of. Uh, it provides more detail for where we're going with here. So Joe Rogan is the link, and Joe Rogan is really, really significant. And this this actor Stephen Root's done some interesting films as well. But what's so interesting is like not only does does the Man in the High Castle and The Office connect to Scranton, Pennsylvania, what all of this is about, but so does so does this high school in Boston. For for what's it called? It's it's called um, Newton South High. Um, John Krasinski, B.J. Novak, and Joe Rogan. Not all at the same time. B.J. and 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 John. They seemed to, they were there at the same time. They all went to the same high school in the suburbs of Boston. Um, so that's you know that's I, I, I want to point that out like almost as this full circle of of kind of like the synchro mysticism. So now we're going to go a layer deeper. And so now we're going to go and I'm going to bring up this this show called um, Exploring the Unknown with Mary Sutherland. 
I've never heard of it before. Apparently it was, um, you know, uh, it was a, a radio show. I know it was around at least in 2005. I don't know if it's still on the air. Um, but apparently it was very UFO oriented. And they did a particular episode. And it was an episode that was significant enough that this, that, that Mary Sutherland herself went to investigate herself or, or what was the purpose of this episode and it's the mysteries of oliphant pennsylvania and i could find very very little on this but this this very controversial character it seems like a lot of people like there's a lot of shade thrown his way this john peruca who is saying that oliphant pennsylvania somehow has this very very strong connection with with ancient egypt and he had all sorts of information enough information that captured her attention and she, I guess she's written a bunch of books and she went and investigated it and she was like yeah there's some weird stuff going on and and part of what he was saying is how like these all of the uh um the churches of this oliphant they they this looks like what this is the Orion constellation yeah this is the belt of Orion and so I guess the same general layout is found in some some buildings in oliphant but I think it's got to be more so than that to 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 garner the sort of attention he received but anyway it's it's you know this was it this also it was no it was located next to where the harry houdini um museum was um you know why harry houdini was there he's not from scranton i believe the people who run it have a connection to scranton but this is where this this centerpiece was and it's just kind of interesting you know i guess there was a ufo sighting and you know you could go and and, and research this yourself but this, this Oliphant, Pennsylvania, you know, where is it? There's Oliphant and there's Scranton. So Scranton is two miles, or no, excuse me, that's four miles from, from, from Oliphant. So we know that Scranton here was 15 miles all the way down to, um, down to, to Kingston. So we're talking more or less about 20 miles, which on this, like this line, because this line, let me see where we can pick this up. This line is uh, basically here, Scranton, and right up here, up on the top, is Oliphant. It goes all the way down, and all of this strange stuff is 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 being connected to it, including <laughs> interdimensional travel and friggin' Egypt. So, da, 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 da. this one last piece to kind of. Um, just really leave you scratching your head because we're in head scratching times. Um, something's happening in our world and part of that is seeing things in a different way and some of the stuff which has been hiding in front of our, us the whole time. And this is true for all of us. Like no matter how, whatever you're thinking, whatever you think is going on with this coronavirus, no matter what you think this story is, I don't, I, I guarantee that whatever is going to be revealed will be different than what you are anticipating. Um, that's just kind of the nature of how this is working. Um, but how, here we have Scranton, right here we have the Susquehanna River, and this is bringing us up, I'm going to show you right here. So this is, if this is Scranton, this is bringing us up this direction. So we're talking about this location, like right about here, like right inside this big fold. And what we have there is, you can see it's called Standing Stone. It's actually Standing Stone is right here. So this says it's 38 miles. This is where we're talking about. 
And Standing Stone is interesting. We can see this right here. This is a map. That's where Standing Stone is. And it's right adjacent to this thing called French Asylum. So first, and you can see, Outstanding Geologic Feature of Pennsylvania, Standing Stone and French Asylum. And this was, this was something that was written in like the Pennsylvania State, um, the Pennsylvania State, uh, uh, um, geological, you know, it's, it's a state-funded um, publication. And so the first thing is they're talking about this right here, this standing stone, this prominent landmark in the shoreline of the Susquehanna River. And there's this 25-foot high block of sandstone, um, and that's this here. And here's another description of it. The name standing stone was given to this locality, so right here, by the Indians on account of a very remarkable stone right here, which stands in the river near its right bank. So right there, um, this stone from the top, from the top to the bed of the river is 44 feet high. It's 16 feet wide and about four feet thick. So this was written a while ago. This, this art, this article, which was from the Pennsylvania State Geological Department, which this image came from, this was written 2002. If I were to guess by reading the, just like how this language was written, this was probably written in like the font. This is probably at least 20 or 30 years old, written by someone who's probably 60 years old at the time. But what we're, we're learning is they called it 44. And remember, this is connecting us right to where all of this action is, Forty Fort, which is where Queen Esther, uh, uh, or at least where the Bloody Rock is located. Whoever, whatever is associated with it, that is like, you know, a rather dark um, piece of history. Whether it was truly used for, for sacrifice or not, I don't know, but it's at least memorialized as is. And so we go back here and we see that this is resonating, the, sand, the standing stone. And it's right next to this, this uh, before I get to French Asylum, let me finish this. Um, it is 16 feet wide and about four feet thick. At ordinary low water, the stone is 22 or 25 feet above the surface of the river. The lower edge of the stone must penetrate the surface of the earth to considerable depth in order to be able, as it has, to resist the force of the water in freshets and the ice, which, when the river breaks up, suddenly moves with apparently irresistible power. So what they're saying, and that's why this is a geological um, feature, is this rock, and it says it's sandstone, which, you know, I'm not a geologist, but sandstone doesn't sound like a particularly strong rock. Like some of the stone around here that uh, is, is strong. So I don't know if this is the diabase, which is the, song, the strong stuff, but sandstone, you know, to be able to handle the force of the Susquehanna River, which is immensely, immensely powerful, and for it to be standing perpendicular and not be moved like this, this is a really special rock. Um, and this location was identified to be French asylum and uh, corruption of asylum. This is as it's described. And this is from the same document which was put out by the state. And it was the short-lived haven for refugees of the 1793 French Revolution. And so we're kind of conditioned <coughs> to think of, of the term uh, maybe asylum and refugees from a revolution, like we're going to be thinking of that in modern terms of like, you know, someone who's, 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 
um, escaping with their life and they're they're all of their their they're they're usually like poor and they don't have a lot of stuff but if this is the like a nut the 1700s like that person is probably you know they killed them the people who got to leave are the aristocrats these are the guys who are like running the show that's how they got out and so this was going to be the home of the queen of france marie antoinette let them eat cake i mean this woman was a nasty woman if there was such a person as like a a uh, a Queen Esther, or at least maybe thinking more so in terms of how that energy is being expressed. Like the way Queen, the, 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 the story of Bloody Rock, the way that was told is of this really, really nasty expression. And we see that also told with, with Marie Antoinette. So we're seeing this link again of this kind of like, this, this nasty expression. So, you know, what has been propagandized, what is not, I don't know. But what I do know for certain is that this had to have been a very, very significant location. For whatever significant, the reason why, like this location was, was important. And my guess is the fact that the Standing Stone was there, which probably predates 1793 by a long, long time, that this was the place. And so now when we look at this, this is where we have Scranton. This is where we have Standing Stone. This is all along the river. And the river here, you know, this is, you know, going up here. And the river continues to meander and then it folds back. And I've got this marker, this little, this flag right here. And right here is where the river folds down. And I didn't include this at all today, but this is the location in the river where Joseph Smith is said to have been visited and baptized by John the Baptist. And it gave him the, 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 uh, um, the authority to begin, which was known as the church of Latter-day Saints. You know, this is known as where the Arianic priesthood was born right here all in this same sort of part of the world all of these different stories dealing with different types of people in different time and something's going on here some of it's dark um a lot of it's dark uh but it's immensely immensely powerful